to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. I want to start off with um, reading you all a verse. It'll come up on the screen. It's in Isaiah 12. And it says, I will praise you, Lord. Although you are angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. I wanted to to talk tonight about um, praising in difficult times, times where uh, it seems like all you want to do is, is not praise or it seems like there's not a reason to praise. Uh, because I don't know about anyone else, but occasionally when uh, I felt like times were difficult or things weren't as good as they could be, it's affected my uh, personal praise, my personal worship, uh, the way I, I come before God and the way I am in church. And I wanted to, to come to say that our praise isn't determined by our earthly situation, but by our, our heavenly faith and our our, um, our faith in what could be. I've been guilty many times of basing um, my personal faith, my personal worship on um, my situation rather than where the situation I'm believing for. And um, pray, thanksgiving to God and praise to God is more than just uh, giving thanks for what we have, but it's about what we have, the vision to receive and what we believe could be in our life. So... Um, I, want, I have um, three, three points, three kind of reasons that I think in moments uh, of defeat, in moments where we're struggling, that we should still be worshipping God. And my, my first point and my first reason for that is in um, Matthew 11, it's verse 28 and it will come on the screen and it says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, and my first, my first reason is, is God will give you rest. God will um, come into your situation. He will give you rest on whatever that situation is. And by, by rest, I don't just mean uh, having a nap. I don't just mean spending some time doing what you necessarily enjoy doing. But it's about bringing your problems, your weights, your burdens before God in front of him and saying, they're no longer my worries, but they're, they're yours, God. Because... God doesn't want you to be weighed down. He doesn't want you to, to feel like everything's against you, but he wants you to be in control. And he does that by, by taking that weight, taking that burden and saying, it's, it's mine now, it's mine to worry about. Because we weren't meant to carry the, the weight of the world, which is why Jesus went to the cross for us. He, he died for our sins, but not only that, he wants to, to come alongside you and to help you in um, wherever you are in life, whatever your situation is. And it doesn't mean necessarily straight away that situation will be over with, but it means you no longer have to worry about controlling that situation. You no longer have to worry about what will happen to you in that situation because it's no longer your problem. Um, there's a, a verse in 2 Corinthians, and it's, it's chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. 
And it will come up on the screen. It says, known yet regard as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is one of my, my favorite verses in the Bible because it's, for me, um, a reason to not, not worry, not be weighed down. And for anyone who doesn't know me well, I, I can worry and I'm very capable of taking a, a small situation, a small uh, burden on me, something that might not matter too much and making it a much bigger situation than it actually is. But this verse for me is saying that no, regardless of, of the situation I'm in, uh, what God's got for us is better. And in life, there'll be, there'll be moments where we, feel, where we feel beaten, where we feel... Uh, defeated uh, and there'll be moments where we feel like all we want to do is praise but our praise and our, our capacity for for worship and what we're receiving from God shouldn't be determined by that it shouldn't be determined by the things that are going on in our life or what's happening to us if anything it should be emphasized by the fact that we know that God will come through in the situation God will work regardless of how we feel at that moment in time my next reason is that he, he uses your problems. He uses whatever you're facing for, for good. In, um, <laughs> sorry, um, in, yeah, so, so within the verse I read, it's, it's about the fact that not only will God use um, what you're facing to, to kind of strengthen you and to strengthen um, your, um, yourself, but also the, the people around you and uh, the people in your life, because when we face troubles and when we learn how to deal with them, we not only learn how we'll no longer face those troubles and how they'll no longer be a problem to us, but how to help other people. And in, um, it says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 to 7, it says he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. And I, I want to just leave it there. I was going to do the whole verse, but I'll just take that bit, because what this is saying is that God comforts us when we face things. And with that comfort that we get from God, we then learn how we can comfort the other people around us. I've had um, an incredible uh, opportunity um, to be a youth leader at uh, Icon Youth. And isn't the EP incredible? Who's listened to the EP? Everyone? I, uh, it's, that's amazing. And, and just serving in youth is, is an incredible opportunity and an incredible blessing to be able to do. But uh, another thing I get to do is, is help to lead a connect group alongside Jake Lloyd um, uh, <laughs> and uh, getting that opportunity is, um, is for me um, a huge thing because I can take the stuff I faced when I was uh, their age or the stuff I've, I've gone through in my life and that when they have those problems or, or those issues I already know how I dealt with them and I can kind of pass on that, that wisdom and, and pass on what I received from my connect leader who was um, Jacob Yeomans who is somewhere who's there so Jacob, for me, has, has helped me through um, a, a lot of things, and, and it's, it's great that I get them the opportunity to, to give that back into, into the, the lads that me and Jake lead. Um, and, and God will do that. What, what you face is, is so much more important than just you struggling, and it's almost selfish, in my opinion, for me to, to see my problems as just my, my worries and things that I'm facing because I'm facing for a reason and it's to, to grow and to, um, to, to learn how to be um, a better person, how to improve who I am and, and the things that I'm doing. And uh, my final point is that 
God will answer. God will not only hear your prayer, not only see the situation you're in, but he'll answer and he'll come through in that situation. And you could be facing anything in this room tonight. I don't know what, what problems you've come against. I don't know um, what situation you're in, whether that's to do with um, sickness or, or financial troubles or work or family, whatever that is. All those situations, as hard as they may be at the time, as, as difficult as the situation might be, it doesn't mean that God isn't in it. Because often we can, we can pray for uh, something to pass, for uh, a situation, a, a struggle, uh, whatever that might be, to no longer be, uh, be around, to no longer be a problem. But sometimes that has to wait a little bit longer. Sometimes you need to, to be in the trial a little bit before you actually um, flourish from it, before you actually take anything from that. But your season is just a season. And as seasons do, it will come and it will go. There'll be good times and bad times. There'll be moments where you can't see the, the light at the end of a tunnel, so to speak. But you'll know in those situations that, that God's, God's blessing, God's um, courage and power, and God, um, God is in control of, of that situation that you're in. Because it can feel like you're beaten. It can feel like you're trapped in what you're facing, but that's not too much for God. And I, I know the struggle of that sometimes because I'm not the, the most patient person on earth. I, uh, if I want things to happen, I want things to happen now. And I, I don't like waiting around, but occasionally the waiting's where um, the magic happens. The waiting's where, where God's at work and God's, God's growing you and breaking you to, to make you as cheesy as that sounds. But... Sometimes you have to be at the, at the lowest point to, to get to where God wants you to be and where God's going to lift you to. And I feel like I saw it really fast, but just before I finish, I wanted to, to kind of challenge everyone with a bit of a question that I hope will, will kind of make some people think and, and challenge some people because it's something which I feel like I have to ask myself sometimes and a question that actually I think can have a, a massive impact on, on you when you start to, to ask yourself and that's, is your praise determined by what's going on around you? Or is your praise determined by your vision for what could be happening in your life? And that's, that's everything I've got for you tonight, unfortunately. But the, the next person coming up is an incredible, um, incredible leader within the church, an incredible leader of uh, not only teams, but people. And um, I know she's gonna, she might be a bit nervous, so you might have to give her a bit of a round of applause and support her, but she's, she's going to bring an incredible word, and I, I honestly believe that, and it's Alice Yeomans. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can take your seats, please. <laughs> Okay, um, for those of you that don't know who I am, my name's Alice, and um, I'm usually up here with a microphone, but that's because I'm singing, not speaking. So um, this could go, you know, either way. <laughs> well, I hope good. Um, but I am married to Jacob Yeomans, and we have been married for just over two years. And... Uh, <laughs> and um, the more that I get to know my husband and the more that we um, spend time with each other and get to know each other, the more that I realise that I'm a very safe person. And by what I mean by that is I don't really take many risks compared to Jacob. And um, this was um, quite evident growing up, I think, um, when I was at school. I, um, 
I always like to do my homework the night that I got it. I never, I think I can remember like twice when I did it on the bus or in form time. Like I just hated the idea of having to do it late. Um, I like to do it like straight away when I got it um, so that there was no risk of it um, going wrong or, you know, not getting the grade that I wanted to get. Um, so, yes, I was, wasn't very much a rebel at school. I like to, you know, do everything, um, you know, right. Um, and a more recent example, I think, is, I don't know if anybody is like me, but I saw um, an article um, online and it was 18 signs that you're the mum friend. And um, I literally, I think, bar a few, I was pretty much every single one, which is worse when you don't have kids. Um, but, um, but one of the things um, that was um, uh, on this list um, was that you love an organised calendar and you like to know what everyone's doing six weeks in advance, which is definitely me. I think mine and Nathan Jake's group chat is pretty much um, me organising their lives uh, <laughs> when they're free. Um, and another one, um, another sign that you're the mum friend was that you're always asleep first, which is definitely me. Um, I challenge someone to find me a place that I can't nap in because I can nap literally anywhere. Um, uh, and yeah, the rest were pretty much making sure that everyone's happy, everyone's safe, everyone's having a good time. Um, Whereas Jacob, on the other hand, he is not like that. Um, he is a big risk taker. He loves to take risks. And um, for example, I can't really count on two hands the amount of times that he's come home from football or cricket and he's, I've got something that I've got to bandage up because he's injured himself or there's some clothes that I've got to get blood out of um, because he's always doing something that doesn't necessarily go very well for him. Um, yeah. Um, he loves to do things that are risky and that kind of like require him to step out and, um, you know, feel that adrenaline. And um, I think something quite powerful happens in the process of taking a risk. We take a risk because we want to do something, experience something or create something that we've not yet done, experienced or created. But our internal conversation can be very different depending on who we are. Jacob's internal conversation is usually, am I going to die if I do this? No, then I'll do it. That's usually the conversation that he's, ha that he's having in his head. Um, whereas for me, I don't uh, necessarily have um, the assurance that I, you know, that I can do that. So I can kind of fall into thinking, is it going to go right? Is it going to work? And if not, how bad is the damage going to be? And am I going to be able to cope with that damage? Um, and if not, then I don't, I'm not really sure that I want to do it. Um, and we obviously have to do our research when we take risks. We have to make sure that our lives or our family or our finances aren't in serious danger. But the main things that, take, that stop us from taking risks are our assurance and our confidence in the process and in the outcome. And so what I want to focus on really quickly tonight is um, in our conviction in who God is and how that can help us to take a risk and move forward in our lives. So if you have a Bible, I'd love you to turn to John 11. And I'm just going to dip in and out of a story um, about Jesus and a guy called Lazarus. So basically what's happening in this story is Jesus has just found out that a guy called Lazarus, who um, it says in this passage is loved by Jesus. So um, it's obviously somebody that um, Jesus cares for deeply and has a, a strong connection with. Um, that Jesus found out that Lazarus is really sick and um, he's probably um, going to die. Um, so I'm just going to start from reading verse 4 and it says... When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. 
I mean, that alone is such a powerful verse. Um, so the disciples, you know, hear Jesus say that and they're like, that's, that's great. Jesus is going to heal him. Lazarus is going to be fine. A few people might get saved. It's going to be a good day. Like, everything's going to work out pretty well. But then in verse 6, it says, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And that's pretty crazy. I mean, normally when you, you hear that somebody that you love is sick, you kind of rush to their side. You rush to be with them. You want to spend time with them. You want to make sure that they're okay. You want to make sure that you can do anything that you can for them. But Jesus wasn't really in any rush to get there. Um, and so the disciples were a little bit confused about what was happening and what was going on. And so in verse 14, it says, So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Jesus wanted to heal Lazarus, and um, we know that because he was fully God, but he was also fully man, which meant that he, could, he felt those emotions. He felt like, um, you know, those sad emotions where he wanted to heal him. He wanted to be there for him. He wanted to um, make sure that he was okay. But Jesus knew that the longer that he waited, the more people would believe in the miracle. He didn't want anyone to believe in chance or, or good luck. If he'd healed Lazarus while he was alive or, um, you know, um, brought him back straight away, people could have been like, oh, well, it was, it was just chance, it was just good luck, it was just the medicine that we gave him or, um, or whatever. But if someone's dead for four days, there's only Jesus that's going to be able to bring him back to life. There's nothing else that can do that. So Jesus waited, he rested and found peace in the knowledge that this sickness was not going to end in death, that this death was not the end of the story. And whatever we face in our lives, sickness or um, guilt or shame or situations that feel so overwhelming, it will not end in death or defeat. Just because you've been given the final outcome, it doesn't mean that it's final. Just because you've been given that final verdict on a situation, it doesn't mean that it's the end of your story. There's good that can come from your situation. We can get excited by this because we can hold on to the fact that nothing can ever defeat us. We may feel defeat. It may spell defeat out on paper, but we're never defeated when we have Jesus. And it's not final. It's not the end of the story. So if we read on through this passage, Jesus eventually arrives at the place where Lazarus is, where all his family and friends are grieving. And um, Lazarus's two sisters are there, uh, Mary and Martha. Um, they're at home grieving the loss of their brother. And from verse 20, it says... When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, he went out to meet, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Mary stayed at home and she was so overwhelmed by um, grief and the loss of her brother that she, she didn't even think to kind of acknowledge Jesus arriving. But Martha gets up and goes to meet him. She has a belief in Jesus' power. She has a firm conviction that Jesus can do a miracle here. And her conviction is important because Jesus' reaction to it was a miracle response. He said, your brother will rise again. His response to her conviction was a miracle. 
And so I really believe that our conviction in his consistency creates miracles in our lives. Our conviction in who God is creates an environment for a miracle to take place. In Hebrews 13 verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is constant. He's always the same. He's always good. He's always powerful. He's always present. He's always God. He's the same God that raised Lazarus back to life. And he's the same right now and he will be the same forever. In Malachi 3 verse 6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. He doesn't change. What we do doesn't change who he is. Our situations don't change who he is. He doesn't change. And we can know and trust that God will never change. And our conviction in his consistency and the fact that he is the same, that he never changes, that he creates miracles. Martha's conviction in Jesus' consistency, uh, her conviction in who he was created that miracle. And so we get to the part where Jesus gets to the tomb where Lazarus has been for four days. And when we read from verse 41, it says, So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus performs a miracle. He raises Lazarus from the dead. I mean, what an incredible moment that must have been. What the people thought was death ended up being life. What they thought was final ended up being a miracle. This situation was not over. Jesus performed a miracle. And our situations, our battles, they're not over. They aren't final. Nothing is ever able to defeat us because we have Jesus. We can be passionate and excited about what our future holds because what you think is dead might just end up being brought back to life. What you thought was final might just end up being a miracle. There's always an opportunity for your situation to be turned around because of who God is. And our conviction in who God is, in his constant and consistent nature, in his miracle power, is the platform that we can use to take risks and to move forward in our lives. It's the firm foundation that we can stand on when we start to move towards uncharted territory. He's the one we can find rest in as we take bold steps forward. When we rest in our conviction, rest in his constant and powerful nature, the risks start start to become easier to take. When we rest in and take comfort in our conviction of who God is, we can approach what's ahead with confidence. We can be confident in the risks that we take, not because we know the outcome, but because we know whatever the outcome, there's always an opportunity for God to use it for good. In Romans 8 verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There's always an opportunity for God to use your situation for good. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is constant. Whether our risks pan out the way that we want them to or not, There's always an opportunity for a miracle to take place. There's always an opportunity for God to work and to move and to do something good. Jesus loves you and cares for you deeply, just like Lazarus in this story. He's deeply moved by the situations that we face. He wants to cause miracles to happen in your life. He wants to bring life into the situations that you're facing. And he always wants to do something good in you and through you and in your life. So do you need to truly believe in who Jesus is tonight, to have a conviction that he is loving loving and powerful and constant through everything that you face? 
Do you need to rest in the conviction that you do have in who Jesus is and what he can do? Rest in his constant nature and good nature. Do you need to step out, take a risk, do something that requires you to have confidence in your conviction? Wherever you're at tonight, Jesus loves you and cares for you. So let's believe for some situations to be brought back to life in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. My message is finished, so I'm going to hand over to Nathan and not break the microphone. Come on, let's thank Tom and Alice. Such a great job. So amazing. And uh, while we're stood, uh, just want to brag on our youth because they're the greatest youth on the planet. And uh, they're the best. Okay, three of us agree. They're the greatest youth on the planet. Also, brag on Amy and Nat who uh, lead our creative youth team and the whole youth sound team. And also April and Nathan who've uh, helped produce this whole thing. And so amazing. And uh, so great. You can grab your seats for a few moments and then uh, team are going to lead us in a time of worship. Two more songs from the EP. It's got three songs and uh, just done a performance of This Love Forever. And we're going to sing rest and just this ex- little bit of worship. And then we're going to finish and party out with light it up dot youth. And uh, so good. But um, I-, I just kind of want to close tonight, but just looking at Genesis 3. Verses one to seven. And it says this, um, so God's made man and everything's good. Everything's great. And uh, sometimes people start reading the Bible at Genesis three, but actually it's Genesis one and two where everything's good. And we're believing that that'll be restored and, uh, and uh, we'll see that restored here on earth as in heaven. But here's what happens in Genesis three. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Anyone in the place, and I know it's quite a touchy subject, anyone ever experienced a, a breakup? Someone said yes. No one else is willing to admit in this place. But being youth pastor with Debbie, uh, we've, uh, we, we've talked with a lot of young people through breakups. Some of them are smiling at me right now and laughing and uh, many, many different people. What are you laughing at, Katie? Anyway, we'll leave that. I love you. You are right, Jake? But many times in these breakup conversations, there are tears that begin to flow. And there are different types of criers in the world, aren't there? There's the attention-seeking criers. There are those people, you know. Some of you are getting nudged right now. There's the silent criers. (laughs) 
and then there's the hyperventilating criers when they're trying to talk but they're still going yeah I'm joking with you. I love you that was uh, I'm only getting Jake back because he had to do his dirt work earlier he didn't clean a barbecue properly But the ultimate breakup is what happened in Genesis 3, where this breakup happened between God and humanity. Humanity fell into sin, which basically just means we miss the mark of this uh, incredible life that God has for us. And so it fell into sin, and all of a sudden what entered into that place was guilt and shame, and there was this ultimate breakup between God and humanity. But here's the incredible thing tonight is that God didn't just think, that's it, it's over. No, he fought for us. He fought for, for, for us. He chose us. He fought for us. He searched for us. He went after us. He, you know, kept messaging us. He chased us down with his love by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for each and every one of us. That actually we could be restored back into relationship with God that there was this ultimate breakup. But here today, we can realize that no matter my past, no matter my future, no matter my present, that He's for me and that He loves me. You know, just as that praise report said that actually, yes, I'm forgiven of my past. I'm even forgiven of my present, but He's already forgiven me my future when I'm gonna miss the mark as well because He's restored that relationship back with Him. See, the powerful thing for me and for you tonight is that actually He wants that for each and every one of us. This isn't just like a, a nice night. This isn't just, you know, an incredible night to celebrate an EP. No, all of these songs are about us being actually restored back into relationship with God, with a God who, who is the light of the world. That there, the Bible tells us in John 1 that there's no darkness in Him, but He's the light of the world that brings life into everything. There's no darkness in Him. I don't know, but maybe you're facing some darkness. Like fix your eyes on Jesus because you'll begin to be immersed with the light of Jesus because there's no darkness in Him. This love is forever. It's for each and every one of us and it's forever. It's not just a one-time moment that oh, I, I messed up in my past, so tonight I'll give my life to God and, uh, and, and then I messed up again and that's it, it's all over. Because like, no, no, this love is forever. This love is forever. That even tomorrow as I make a mistake, this love is forever. It's forever. This grace is unending. It's forever. It's for every single person. It, it, it doesn't run out. It's for all of us. And he brings rest. Tom uh, read the verse, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, and we're going to sing this song, Rest, in a moment from the EP. And it comes from this verse in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, which says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. You see, I, I think that could be the most important sound for this current generation. A sound where all of a sudden the world were consumed with noise we're consumed with sound everything's going off and this isn't just a sound that happens just like out of somebody's mouth or through tv but it comes all around on social media it comes all around but it's also in our thoughts 
But today, I, like, I might feel weary and burdened, but I'm going to come to Jesus and give him. Why? Because he gives me rest. Why? Because he wants to restore that relationship with every single one of us. That there's this moment of rest. See, you might be here tonight and it might be like, I'm broken hearted. I'm broken hearted. But the Bible tells us he's close to the broken hearted. It might be tonight that, I, that I'm feeling the pressure. Well, he's there with us. And he, as Tom said, he wants to take that. See, it goes on to say in some of the words in, in this song, his yoke is light. It's like an old word yoke, but basically it was used for oxen when they were plowing and this yoke used to keep them together on the track, on the straight path where they were meant to go, where they were meant to plow. I don't know, but I want to be yoked with Jesus. And here's what he says, the yoke is light. Why is it light? Because he's already done all the heavy lifting by going to the cross for us. He's already took all the sin. He's already took all the shame. So our relationship can be restored to him. So we're going to sing this song. So why don't we stand together? You may be facing something tonight. I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Him in this moment of worship. Maybe there's some unrest in your life. This is a moment where you can find rest. But I also believe tonight that even if you don't know Jesus, you open your heart to Him. You'll discover Him in your life in this moment. So let's sing this song together. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.